Hi and welcome to Cultivating Conversations. I'm Steve Collins and today I'm joined by Kim Spencer from ISCA. Kim is Chief HR Officer at ISCA and has joined us to share her unique career journey, her take on the challenges of recruiting into agriculture, mindset challenges when switching industries and how ISCA have managed hiring during the pandemic. So, so Kim, thank you for joining us today, of course. I think it would be great to, to start off. Obviously, your journey is, is quite unique. Um, your career background is different to a, lots of people in your position. So it would be really interesting for the listeners if you could just talk us through your journey to date. Th thanks, Steve. I'm really happy to be here talking with you. Um, uh, as you know, I've really enjoyed the partnership that we've had with Chaseman so far. And happy to share with you anything that I can about um, ISCA and my journey. Um, you're right. I so I have this. I have the title of Chief of HR of ISCA Inc., which is our global organization. We've um, recently completed a merger with our Brazilian and Indian um, counterparts. Um, so we have a global company now, and I that's my title in the global company. I'm one of the founders of the U.S. entity, and. Um, have been with the company. The company is over 20 years old in the U.S., but I've been with the company for uh, about 13 years now in the U.S. Um, but what's unique about my about my journey is that I'm not I'm not an HR professional. I'm a um, a doctor, a medical doctor by training. I'm an OBGYN by training, and I just, as with many startups, I joined the company. Um, and you know, had to wear many different hats. So I was first, uh, I was one of the founders, one of the um, people that helped to finance the company. And then I came in as a regulatory person. So I was involved with um, regulatory affairs in the US and then uh, quickly moved, after a couple of years, moved into the people aspect of the company. I was really interested in um, people development. So uh, the development of the people that were in that were in the company and also company culture. So that's where I gravitated, which is how I got into the. That's I got the title of HR, although that isn't my um. That's my, not my. That's not where my degrees and and uh, credentials are. So that's that's why I'm I'm the, I'm the chief of HR, but I but I don't like I said I don't have that um training. Uh, I just have training with people from my other career. So. And I suppose it's quite the uh, quite the change in in direction to go from being a, a medical doctor to um, to I guess the, your journey with ISCA. How how did you find adapting? Well, for me the the biggest the for me people are pretty easy. I really enjoy I I enjoy my interactions with people. I enjoy teams. I enjoy groups. I enjoy facilitation. I enjoy coaching. For me, the biggest challenge has been the business aspect of it. There have been many times where I have um, put my head in my hands and wondered why, wished that I'd had a, a, a business degree or a law degree because I felt like that would have helped me more. But um, what people have told me along the way is it's, a, it's the soft skills that are more difficult to teach and learn. And so I do think that I have some of those and those have, those have helped me. And the other things I just... Uh, Try to pick up what I can and do the best that I can to to um, to to keep up with the business aspect of things. Can you tell us more about about ISCA and and the business itself, Kim? Sure. So ISCA, um, what what we do at ISCA is to develop alternatives to conventional pesticides using semiochemicals. So we use uh, most people 
have heard of pheromones. Pheromones are the chemicals that um, all animals, including insects, use to communicate um, between each other, among each other. Uh, the, the most the the pheromone that people understand sex pheromones the best. They're what's used for reproduction. So it's the it's what a female insect will use to attract male insects, and that that's how reproduction happens. So what we do is to use semiochemicals to manipulate the behavior of insect pests, agricultural pests. So if we can um, use nature identical products, like we can make the pheromones. Um, and put them into the field, what happens is we, we disrupt the mating of the insects, and then the population goes down to a point where it's not causing damage. Uh, we can also, in addition to, that's, called, that's a mechanism called mating disruption. The other mechanism that we use is called attract and kill, where we might put a very, very small amount of an insecticide into a product, um, so it, it, the, our, our formulation base contains both the semiochemical and perhaps an insecticide, and then we attract the males to that formulation, and they will um, get exposed to the insecticide that way. But what happens is with either with those two um, strategies is that we either eliminate uh, the insecticides, which are frequently products um, or they're chemicals which cause harm in the environment. We either eliminate it completely or reduce significant, significantly the amount of insecticide that's used in a field or per year by the grower, to, um, which, of course, helps the, um, helps the environment because it's not being put into the environment. So that's what ISCA does. It's, basic, it's an alternative um, to uh, conventional methods, and we um, can either use it as part of an integrated pest management program, meaning we can use it with conventional controls, conventional methods, or we can use it alone. Okay. So that's that's what that's what our product is. No, that, that, that's really interesting for me and I think for, for all our listeners because we're increasingly seeing the, the demand for, for greener solutions across all aspects of life, whether that be agriculture, whether that be automotive, all different sectors we're seeing a push towards a, a greener, cleaner environment and that can only be positive for the planet. Fantastic. So obviously HR covers a, a huge area, but our focus and, and our journey together has, has very much been recruitment. So could you share some of your insights and, and observations um, from your own experience recruiting into ISCA that may be applicable for, for others in the industry? Yeah, so let me start by saying that, um, well, first of all, I love recruiting. That, that may be one of my favorite aspects of the job. I don't think I mentioned that before because I love um, I love talking about the company, the vision of the company, and trying to find the right fit, trying to find people that will fit in the culture of the company. Um, before we started working with Chaseman, I had done uh, I did recruiting using standard job boards. We have a close connection. Also, we have close connection with the university in town. Um, University of California, Riverside, which is one of the reasons that we've stayed in Riverside. The company stayed in Riverside because we have a great uh, source of talent there. Uh, what I found, and I tried some, I'd done recruiting, so through job boards, Indeed, Monster, that kind of thing. I had used uh, local recruiting agencies for some of the 
clerical positions, administrative clerical positions. We'd used temp agencies for our manufacturing group. And I tried our, we have an HR partner, a professional employment company and um, called Insperity, who has been of great help to us. But I found that the recruiting through them, I, I thought was a bit expensive and I didn't find that it was so much better than what I could do on my own. So uh, when we first started looking at recruiting at the highest level of the, of the company for the executive group, include, including for the particularly for the global organization, that's when we first engaged Chaseman. And for me, that was really a game changer because uh, what I felt like was you all could do, um, I felt like you all really partnered with us and got to know the company very well, got to know, got to know me very well. And um, through many conversations, I felt like you really had an understanding of our culture and our company. And we were able to, um, you were able to go through a lot of profiles for me and have some very, I think, deep conversations with candidates before they came to me. And I felt like it was just much more in depth than I'd gotten with the other recruiting agencies I had worked with that were more, um, that were based in the U.S. and more local. So would that be your advice then? I guess obviously, as much as I'd like your advice to be work with work with Chaseman, it would make my my life much easier. But would that be your advice is to to partner with an agency that really understands your culture and and takes the time to to get to know not just the business but the the people involved in the business? Yeah, I find I really believe that that the recruiting agency, if you have the right people. Um, they can, you know, you all can ask questions that we really can't ask and you can dig into the answers. And it, it's, it's, I can imagine doing it and I try to do it on my own, but I, I, I know that it, I know that the person that I'm talking to can't separate me from the company and I can't, I just can't dig into it the same way as you would be able to, because you're a third party or objective. So um, they, you know, they, they can just answer different and you can hear things and challenge challenge candidates on them, I think, in a way that uh, I am not able to. Oh, that's fantastic. So, again, when you're working for a company like Isker, and, and I found this one recruiting for you, um, you can often look for a, a unique type of candidate. What personality fit would you say fits in best with your business? That's a, that's a great question. Question. What I what we often say is that we need people who are adaptable. That's one of our core values. Um, so our top three core values, I would say, are adaptability, engagement, and team. So because we are we're considered a growing business now, we're no longer a startup, but there are many aspects of our business and how it runs that feel feel like a startup still. And what I mean by that is that when a person comes in, the conversation or before they come in, the conversation that I have with them multiple times usually is, you know, how are you at wearing different hats and how are you with priorities changing? Because if you are um, disturbed when priorities change or you're asked to do something that's not in the job description or something pops up that you didn't expect, that will be difficult for you because it happens on an ongoing basis at our company which I think is what happens when you're a company that's either a startup or growing, transitioning, entering, you know, scaling, which is where we are right now. Um, 
so I think that's one of the things, adaptability. Um, the other thing is being um, a self-starter, being proactive, because there there aren't other people in the company that are doing the job of the, you know, of, of any person that we're hiring now. There's there's nobody else that's doing their job. Either we're replacing a person that's left that's alone doing that job, or it's a new position and nobody has done it before and there's nobody doing it currently. So the person has to be able to figure things out on their own and not nece- there's not necessarily just ask the person, you know, at the lab bench next to them what they're doing and they can just do what that person's doing. There's a lot of help in the company. We really pride ourselves on um, being available and helping each other, but there isn't one, there's no redundancy in our jobs right now. So the person, the people that do the best are people that enjoy that kind of challenge. They enjoy, um, yeah, they enjoy challenge. They enjoy like, you know, starting something new, owning, owning something, creating, creating a role. So that's another thing that I look for. I think that's something. One other, other. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to stop you mid flow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The one other thing that we talk about a lot, especially when I was doing the higher level um, hiring, was um, something that our the chair of our board calls a yo-yo, which means that the person um, who may be a very high level executive needs to be able to come down into the weeds to the very to a very granular level um, to work with, um, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of the business. And so he calls that yo-yo being able to go from the you know from from low to high and from high to low at the drop of a hat, you know, changing, changing that role from C-level executive to, you know, um, manager above somebody who may be paid, you know, may, maybe minimum wage, minimum wage earner or just above that. And I think we've, we've had conversations like that in the past, haven't we, where we've, we've discussed when ISCA was, was first building and first growing and how, um, as you know, would be down in the warehouse one day helping you to get orders yeah, yeah. out of the warehouse, and then and then the next day he would yes. be out leading the business as, as the CEO. So that's something that we we discussed. But on the subject of the the C level roles, obviously those were roles that were dear to me. I worked very closely with you to help you you hire them. Um, we've worked together on a number of really exciting hires since then. What advice would you give to people looking to fill? C-level positions? So that's a, that's a tricky question because we did hire C-level positions, but, and you work with uh, very, you, you work with a, quite a range of companies from big companies to small companies. And so we would be on the smaller end, of course. And so when we hire a COO or a, a chief strategy officer, it's not the same as when a very large company um, hires that. So what I was looking for can't be, uh, you know, translated to what other people are looking for. But basically, what we were looking for was somebody with the with the skill set of the C, like I just mentioned, the skill set of a C-suite person, but who could also who also was looking for the challenge, was also looking for the adventure of really being part of something growing, which meant that they really had to roll their sleeves up and be in the weeds with us, you know, to help us get out of the weeds and elevate to, um, to be able to really scale and professionalize and, um, uh, do, you know, get the structure in place and the discipline in place that we need to, to grow, um, into a larger company. Okay. Fantastic. 
And again, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit there with um, when you mentioned the, the, the transition from much larger businesses. But what do you think has been the biggest learning from you when you've watched people make that journey from maybe traditional ag into a company like ISCA, from a big business into a smaller business? What are some of the, the challenges that these people these people face? Yeah, so just backtracking a little bit there. So like I said, I used to, so some of these positions, I mean, I think you all were pretty surprised and some of the candidates were surprised because sometimes they went through, you know, four interviews and the interviews that we had on site usually took the whole day. We didn't, we, we didn't ever just fly somebody in for two hours and then have them fly out. I really felt it was important for the people that we were hiring to have a full picture of what was going on. I don't, I don't, I didn't want anybody to have a, you know, surprises about what, what the company was like, what the, what the um, site was like, what the offices were like, what the, the people um, at the front desk were like. I wanted them to sort of know what they were getting into so that there'd be no um, surprises. So I felt like, um, and, and, and then they would be interviewed by teams of people um, just to just to have a sense that that the person was presenting consistently. And so that we as a as a group could could bounce um, our, um, you know, our thoughts off of each other as we as we made these decisions. We, we thought that they were so important and we felt like um, these are the, these are people that were that we imagined that we were going to be working with for uh, years to come. And we're going to be part of the you know long term growth of the company. So. Um, the question was, you know, so what was I looking for? I talked about that yo-yo um, aspect of people and their ability to adapt and their really their their drive to be to be to be part of something, to be part of this challenge and the and the growth, which was going to be it was going to be difficult. It was going to be I I knew that it was going to be a roller coaster. I knew that it was going to take um, perseverance and tenacity to get through some of these. Um, uh, difficult times, meaning the growing pains of growing a company, growing a small company, scaling a company. Um, the other thing that came up was when we were recruiting people from the big agricultural companies, one of the things that we discovered was that many of the highest, um, the, the, the highest performing executives in these companies had been with the companies for, you know, a minimum of 20 years, usually 20 to 30, 35 years. Um, those those people were now, for a variety of reasons, looking to do something different. Some of them had friends who had gone off to smaller companies. Some of them were looking to retire and, and wanting to do something different. And some of them felt, because of the mergers in the industry, that their jobs were maybe at risk. So they were coming to us for a variety of different reasons. But one of the things that became clear was that some of them had spent a lifetime um, in the world of conventional crop protection and agriculture and to switch over to our industry, which was um, alternatives to conventional pesticides, was a big switch. And so what I noticed was that there are some people for whom they were just dipping their toe into this world of um, you know, the, the world of greener solutions, more sustainable solutions. And they had spent many years of their career defending conventional, agri uh, con conventional methods. 
And so it was a very big switch for them. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there were a lot of people, I think, that were so used to having um, a lot of support in their um in their roles, you know, they had always had executive assistants or they had, you know, lots of, lots of people at their disposal to help at their disposal to help them. Um, that was going to be a big change for them where they were going to be making their own, their own flight reservations. They were going to be, um, you know, they didn't have a support staff, you know, finance people or, um, front office people at their, um, at their beck and call. So that was going to be, that was going to be really different from them, for them. Fantastic. It's almost like they, taking a step back into the trenches to help grow the yes. business. Ex- exactly. So oftentimes what I was looking for was maybe somebody who had said um, when they first got out of school, they had some experience at a small company or on a team where they were growing something. And then if if they if they perked up with that, like they they remembered that fondly and, and those were some of the best years of their careers, that was a it was a plus for me because it made me feel like maybe they were, they missed some of that when they were in the bureaucracy of a bigger company and they liked being, they liked the challenge. They liked being the trenches. Like they, they liked talking to growers directly, all of that kind of stuff. They liked being part of a really tight team that was um, maybe trying to find innovative ways to get into a market or, uh, or whatever it is that they, that they enjoyed that. They missed that. They missed that sort of hands-on, um existence or professional life okay. uh so i so i was often looking i was often looking for experience in the past in a small company um sometimes you know not everybody needed to have that but it was it was a plus if somebody had that kind of experience and and missed it of course so i guess the the next question for me and um i guess with the world that we're living in at the minute with the the changing environment, it would be great to get your insight as both a, a doctor and a HR leader on COVID and, and how that has impacted your hiring process. You know, um, we are proud to say that we actually um, have hired quite a few people during COVID. And we, of course, in agriculture, we're considered an essential business. So we've been able to stay open, although we've done everything we can to uh, stagger schedules and minimize, especially at the beginning, minimize people's, um, you know, uh, how many people are on site at one time. But overall, overall, I, I would have to say that we haven't felt it so much. Uh, and Have you, yeah, I don't have to say more more about that. Have you changed how you um, approach interviews of, of your interviews? I know that um, we've scheduled yeah. interviews for you throughout. Obviously, it's been more of a, well, we've discussed it ourselves, more of a, a Microsoft Teams format or a, a Zoom format. Yes. And so how has that changed your, your hiring process? Well, interestingly, I feel like it was it was as though overnight everybody got comfortable with Zoom. I had had a Zoom account for I don't know a year or something like that, and only intermittently used it. Still, still felt uncomfortable with the video. Uh, just didn't love it. I think that we always used Microsoft Teams and never used the video when I was working with you guys. 
And then overnight, I feel like it changed. And we were all used to, suddenly we all just got used to being on Zoom meetings with video eight hours a day. And we found that we were very, I think we found we were very productive that way. We were efficient. We had meetings that, you know, began and ended on time more often because um, everything got scheduled through Zoom. Um, And what happened with the interviewing is that where I used to, just as an example, is that where I used to do phone screens um, with candidates as a, like a, just a 30 minute phone screen with, with all the candidates who were coming into the company before they went to the H to the, um, the manager that they'd be working with. I just switched those all to video calls to zoom calls because I felt, I feel like I get so much information through the body language and the, um, how the interaction is face to face, even if it's over zoom, um, that, that it, it helped me a lot, gave me a lot of information. It, for me, it helps, it helps a lot in terms of getting information. So I felt like that was a plus. And, um, and I, I, I did a better job of those, of that screening because of the video calls. So the people that we brought, maybe we brought, brought fewer people on site. I would say maybe we brought half as many people on site for the final interviews. And, um, uh, but we did, we did still in the end, I don't think we've made any hires without an on-site interview where we just, you know, we just have, we have masks as they go through, we sit in a conference room, uh, bigger, you know, more spread out than usual. Um, and, uh, and so we do it, we try to be safe that way, you know, as we do with everybody coming on site with temperatures and screenings, but, but overall that part hasn't changed too much. I know, I know Axel was, was busy during uh, the, the sort of the start of of COVID and the start of lockdown um, with, uh, with a number of roles in, in Brazil for you guys. Was there ever discussions at board level to initiate a hiding freeze until the, the lay of the land became more obvious or was it just a, a continued, we're committed to our growth, we believe in our business? How, how did that look like? Yeah, yeah. That, that was exactly what it was. It was commitment to growth and a belief in the business and the belief that um, you know, a reinforcement that the importance of our business, um, as you think about global health and, um, you know, clean food supply, planet, all these things, and, you know, the, and humanity, right? The health of humanity. Yes. I, we just, I, I think that we just, we just pushed forward. And I, I have to tell you that I'm somebody who, by nature, I'm somewhat cynical. And I would, you know, people don't call me pessimistic it to my face. <laughs> but I think that I do think that I am, I know, I know myself pretty well. And I know that I am, um, I'm a, you know, compared to say that to an entrepreneur. So say the founder of our company, Ajnor, you know, he's, um, he's a, he's a, an, an optimist. And I know that I'm a pessimist compared to that. And I'm the person who tends to be holding back and to be concerned or worried or anxious and all that kind of thing. And at a certain point, I really felt, I just decided I'm just going to get on board with this. I believe in the products. I believe in the mission. And I believe that one has to, you know, just has to take just it, it's a risk. One has to take a risk and one has to believe that this is um, these are products that are going to work, that there is a, um, a market for them. There is a, a need in the world for this kind of solution. And we just have to we just have to go for it and 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 get the right people in 
get the get the team together, the people into the company that can help us to get to the next level. And it is a risk, you know. Um, but I'm at so I'm just here to say, as a person who has been, and also because of my background as a medical doctor, I'm extremely risk averse. You know, for me, my my whole I spent a career mitigating risk and trying to avoid risk and that kind of thing, or knowing that risk was a life and death uh, matter of life and death. And I um, just had to get over that because uh, because I don't think it, I don't think it's a way that we can I don't think we can grow if we don't if we don't um, just believe in what we're doing and and move get the right people on board and they have to be people that understand the risk and actually um, sort of believe like we believe right and are willing to take the risk so we also screen for that a lot I think during the interviewing processes. No, I agree, and I think for, from our side of things, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to to work with you and, and work with Isca and work with the team and, and place people into the business. And I know that the guys that, that we placed, the people that we placed there, are, are really enjoying their time. And I guess that that brings us to conclusion, Kim. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure to to catch up and, and chat to you and everybody who, who took the time to listen. If you could all rate, review and, and subscribe, that would be great. And I look forward to, to seeing you all next time. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for talking to me.